0: Hello, and welcome back to season two of Zero Wasted Days. I am honored that you are here with me, and I am so excited for all of the episodes to come. I am also just very grateful for all of the reviews that you've been leaving, and all of the love that you've been giving me inside my DMs. I love nothing more than to be of service to you, and to hear that everything that I'm talking about here at Zero Wasted Days is resonating. You know, I really want to inspire you to push the boundaries of what's expected in your life and business to challenge norms and your growth edges and to go after the most audacious dreams because I've seen for myself that anything is truly possible when you have a vision and are ready to go after it. Are you ready to dive in? Let's go. I cannot believe that it is already December and we are coming to the end of 2023. Now, as you have heard here on the podcast, I've been doing lots of planning and kind of forward-looking and visioning into next year. And I'm going to have some other episodes that are going to be coming up about that in particular. But one of the things I've also been doing is really reflecting and looking back on the year that has been. And the launch of Zero Wasted Days has been a huge part of my mission And my purpose here with this podcast in helping women entrepreneurs really redefine how they do business and bringing on guest experts to help inspire us and motivate us and share their stories. Now, one of the things that I've been doing as I've been reflecting on the past year is looking at some of the amazing guests that I have had and interviews and actually re-listening to some of the episodes myself. And I thought, what a better way to finish the year than to take some of our top performing episodes and to bring them together to you in a bit of a highlight reel. So today you're going to hear some of the highlights of my conversation with both Amber Lilliestrom and Kate Northrop. I hope that you really love it. I hope that you share. I hope that you leave your reviews. And if you do, of course, be sure to tag me and let me know that you've listened. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: So, make a life not just a living is really about very similar to your philosophy mm. life first, right? Yes. Why are we doing our work if not to support a life well lived? And certainly, I am here to make an impact. And certainly, there mm-hmm. are times when making that impact comes before other things in my life, just because when you're up against a book deadline or whatever, sometimes you're in a launch, like sometimes you got to stay a little late at the office. But in general, what I know is that when I am on my deathbed in those final moments, I am not Mm -hmm. going to be thinking to myself, like, man, I wish I was better known. I yeah. wish more people had bought my book. Mm. I wish I had gotten more done for sure. I'm not going to think those things. And we know yeah. that there's been some beautiful work, such as Bronnie Ware's book, the five biggest regrets of the dying, or yes. it, that's not exactly the title, yeah. but as she talked about though, the five biggest regrets are, Yes, I wish I had let myself be happier. Mm-hmm. I wish I had spent more time with the people I love. Yeah. I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish that I had. What was the other one? I don't know. Anyway, but those top three. Those are the ones that. Those are the ones that something I, I about always relationships. Remember.
0: So something about relationships. Yeah, I spent or,
1: more time with the people I love. Oh but yeah, maybe also so share more how I feel. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, but anyway, generally speaking, yeah. I want to live that way. I've always known this, so I was hooking it into my story. The other day I was taking a walk with my mom. She was visiting me here in Miami and I was like, yeah, mom. And you might've heard me tell this story before Suzanne, because it was part of the birth of relaxed money. Okay. And Mike and I were just in a real time of contraction. So Mike is my husband and also my business partner. And we were on a call with our therapist and I was just in this like very well-worn loop around mm-hmm. feeling pressure around money and providing for my family. As like the face of our brand, I just was in this loop of, I don't ever get to take a break. Mm. You can go down and you can drop out of life, but I don't get to drop out of life and on this loop. So our therapist said to me, okay, Kate, imagine that Mike's just come home. And he said, okay, babe, I just have $10 million. And David said, "How, how would you feel? Imagine how you'd feel. I closed my eyes and I checked inside and I was like, ooh this is painful to say out loud. I said, I'm really surprised by my answer. And my answer is I would feel dead inside. And I realized that I had been using stress and pressure Mm -hmm. as a stimulant Mm -hmm. to make me feel alive. And I told that story to my mom and she was so funny. She goes, you certainly chose the right parents for that matter. (laughs) Because I grew up in a house doers. Yeah. With parents who are both physicians, incredibly high achievers, checked all the boxes that you're supposed to check in terms of the grades, the Ivy League schools, the New England education, the private practice in medicine. Then my mom went on to write all these New York Times bestsellers. And so the environment I was raised in, though my parents were at my ballet recitals and my soccer games and like whatever, there was a general temperature or a general environment of constant stress and pressure that was tied to career achievement and therefore somehow also tied to money. And so I made a decision very early on when I was like, I don't know, 16 or 17, I just said, I want to run my own business. Mm. That's a freedom oriented business so that I can be with my kids so that I can just spend time with my kids and and like really be with them Yes, and not have to work if I don't need to, or if I don't want to not have to work if I don't Mm -hmm. want to. And so make a life, not just a living. It really came from that.
0: Your roots are strongly planted in teaching women to do less. What is next for your do less movement?
1: Yeah. Imparting the importance of doing less for women, I think, because most of us have been Enculturated to believe that our purpose is to be of service. And while I think on a spiritual level, our purpose is actually to be of service, but in what way? I believe my career and my raising my kids and whatever that is about me being my most expressed version of myself, which ultimately yeah. is of service to the collective but not in service like it's my job to hand make every meal from scratch and make sure that all of my friends have their emotional needs met. That's how we've been raised as women, Mm. that our job is to meet everyone else's needs. So I think there's a difference between being of service on a more macro level and then making it our business to meet everybody's needs. Mm. And that's where we get our sense of satisfaction from. Yeah. So just because culture has told us that does not mean it's true. And what you end up with is a lot of women who are overwhelmed, anxious, mm-hmm. depressed, and feel empty inside from a culture that has told us that our purpose is to meet other people's needs and yeah. to be selfless. And yeah. then, why do you think we lose ourselves? We lose ourselves because we've been taught that the highest virtue as a woman is to be selfless. Interestingly enough, I just learned last night that the root word of the word virtue is mm. vir, VIR, which means man. So ah. as a woman, <laughs> like as a woman, just when we look at the etymology, it's just mm. so, fascinating to see how patriarchy has brainwashed us to believe that we have to prove something through doing. Mm. And Mm. then we had, of course, multiple feminist movements, but the one that happened in the (laughs) eighties sent like our moms to work possibly, certainly my mom. And at the time what was required, because it was still very much seen that women were taking the place of a man in that job. Mm. They had to not only be really good at their job, but also do it better than Mm. a man could do and also be a better man than they could. And Mm. so we've ended up with a situation where there's a whole movement around reallocation of the householding responsibilities because of the profound invisible labor that women have been doing because it's been assumed. Mm. That that's the role. And so the whole, like do less has like vast political implications as well as personal and health implications and Mm. all the things. Right. And so it's important for women to do less so that we can have more energy and time for
0: the things that really matter. We are so conditioned before we get into entrepreneurship, that achievement and that success and that feeling good with all of those ticks of boxes. But even when you're in a career, you get the pats on the back every six months, promotions and pay rises. And then you end up in this world of entrepreneurship and it's lonely. And there's no one telling you at the water cooler that you're doing a good job. And then you're going to learn the marketing and the selling and the promoting and everything. No wonder women feel, oh, and not just women, I'm sure men as well, but women in our world are overwhelmed. Yeah. this work is so essential.
1: Yeah. And when you are able to regulate yourself and essentially signal Mm. to your body that you're safe, you have all your full capacity to make great decisions and you largely won't feel so overwhelmed anymore. Overwhelm is a sign of dysregulation and possibly having too much to do. (laughs) certainly the combo but if you are regulated it's so much easier to look at your list and be like oh this is important this is not
0: there's always the question of why some women and entrepreneurs achieve fast success online and others struggle for years at gaining momentum why do you think that is
1: what an interesting question
0: (laughs) I think that
1: like different people's trajectories is one of life's great mysteries. This is odd, but within the last three weeks, I have heard the personal stories of two people I know pretty well. Tell me about circumstances in the last several years where they just like overnight received a million dollars. And so their trajectory of financial success was just Mm. really like vertical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I think to myself, oh, is it because they're good manifestors? Is it because I don't know. I think a lot about when you ask me this question, I think about human design and I think Mm. about astrology and I think about soul lessons. And I believe that all of us has our own curriculum. And when we're looking at success online, we are taking one measure of this time tiny aspect of being a human for anyone listening. I just want to remind us, we live in this like very bizarre Mm. little bubble of humanity. It's small, even though I understand it can feel like really major and really important. And I also understand that for some of us, this is how we feed our children. So yes, I also get, I'm one of those people. However, there's so many things I want to say. One of them is, so I'm one of the OGs. I started my online business in 2010 before people even really talked about their businesses on social media. Like it was Mm. before Instagram existed. So I have been around long enough to know that this is all pretend or it can be. It is very easy to quote unquote, hack the system Mm. and use the hall of mirrors of humanity that is social media to play into the particular reflection of our unmet desires that make up the Instagram algorithm and play into that to use the mm. algorithm to grow. Mm. And that's true of some People. I also know some people who just happen to have a post get reposted by like Kim Kardashian. And then all of a sudden they just skyrocketed, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Why does that happen? I think it why. has to do with their own unique soul path. Yeah. And, and that's all. I think we all have our stuff, right? And I think mm-hmm. for some people, it just like aligns with whatever area has to do with f- fast, happening. easier online growth. And for some of us, that's not actually our area of gifts, but our area Mm -hmm. of gifts Mm -hmm. is something totally different that might just be more invisible.
0: What wisdom you can share and you can give us now that you can look back on that 10 years.
2: Yeah. What a cool question. I think that the me that I get to be today is a result of this sort of insatiable hunger to liberate myself from suffering. And from the patterns and the paradigms that I was subscribed to through just, you know, being a human and raised by fellow humans and in society and just all these sort of tracks that we get ourselves into. And then I've always been this person who's just very curious and asks a lot of questions. It's actually like my primary method of coaching is just asking a lot of questions and reflecting to my clients because the reality is I don't, I don't know what's best for them. I couldn't even pretend to know that. How do I know? But what I do know is that I have curiosity around why things are a certain way and can help my clients really see with a broader perspective, what might be possible if they consider new perspectives. And so I think if I reflect on the last almost 10 years here and just birthing this business into being, but most of all, just this version of myself, who's a mother to two babies and wife to my best friend, Ben and living a life that is just, it's really abundant and really fulfilling. And I i think the other pieces, I just get to be really present every day. Mm. All of those things were the deep cravings that I had for myself back then. And I wasn't living that. I was working at warp speed pace and mm. I was reflecting on it this morning, actually in prep for our interview. I was thinking about how my kids were chasing each other on the floor this morning. And I was just there in my pajamas drinking tea. And I just thought to myself, I would be Dressed, I would have my, my work clothes on. My kids would probably have to go to some sort of care situation. Mm. We would just be doing life so differently. And I just had this moment of like grace and gratitude for it, but also just the confirmation of, but we're not because I made the choices that I made to design life like this, because this is an integrity and alignment with how I actually want to live my life.
0: Another quote, which you're very well known for, is if the dream is in you, it's for you. And I know personally, this quote has been a real guiding light for me and I'm sure many others. And I'd love to know how you've seen examples of this in your life, in your business, in different clients, and how do we know that the dream we have in us is worth pursuing?
2: I think the most honest version of this story that I can share is in 2021, we went through IVF. And so we struggled with secondary infertility and we tried and eventually it was like, okay, we've really got to go this route. And so we did IVF and the first cycle didn't take. And so we were not pregnant. And then we went right into another cycle and we ended up getting pregnant from the two embryos that were transferred. And so there was a positive pregnancy test and I remember just being like in total disbelief. I was like sitting in my kitchen with my brand new book, Paddle Home, that had just arrived from the publisher with preg- two pregnancy tests that were positive on top of it. And I have that picture. And I just remember Suzanne just being like, this is insane. Like it's almost too much for me to wow, like process. Mm-hmm. These are two of my biggest dreams in my life. Obviously the baby part was my first, but also very close second was to write that book. So here I am. And I'm just like, it's glorious day. It was April of 2021. So I'm just two years later going through similar sensations of the date. It's like April 8th, 2021. Mm. And then fast forward, I think a week or so we were like going through all the blood work and my blood levels weren't rising to the levels that they were supposed to. So I ended up, had to go, had an ultrasound. And unfortunately there was no gestational sac and it was really heartbreaking. The whole thing was super heartbreaking because my body thought I was pregnant but I wasn't with a viable pregnancy at least. And yeah, I, I ended up losing. I had a miscarriage and I just knew at the end of it that I just couldn't go through that again. I just couldn't, I it had been such a long road with my body. I also had a near-death experience when my daughter was born. So it was just like a lot of things as it relates to this body of mine. And I just knew this wasn't the way. And I was shattered. It's like absolutely heartbroken. And I actually walked with the question is the the dream is in me. Is it actually for me? I, I really sat with the crushing blow of thinking that might not be true. And I was in such grief for a while, but very just like in the whisper and the quiet of our heartbreak, we serendipitously connected with an adoption consultancy and we signed up with them, but we just were not really able to proceed with anything at that moment it was like this is just all way too much right now and i think the other thing that was really tricky too is i was being met with i was 39 right at that time being met with the idea that my fertility was complete And so that was like a whole nother huge pill to swallow that I hadn't anticipated even being a thing I'd have to think about. And it was a big deal. And so there's just this combo pack of all these things and we just healed and we went slow with it. And I explored that question. And I, I felt like I was like limping through. I remember a client saying to me, like, how did you do that? Like, how were you there for us? And how did you continue to show up? And I said, because it was a place for me to go and put my energy and love that didn't concern me. Like I didn't have to think about what I was grappling with. I just got to love on you and help you. And it was very nourishing for me. It was like Mm -hmm. a real gift to get to just serve and be in my work. Mm -hmm. And so it was great. And I think of any tragedies or traumas when I went through a divorce in my late twenties and all this, like my work was always the place where I found like refuge. It was like a place for me to just be useful and not fixate on what my heart was doing. Mm -hmm. but just love other people. And so At the end of 2021, we were officially home study approved in our adoption process. And we had been just learning a lot over all those months and studying and understanding everything about adoption and all the things, all the dimensions and dynamics that go into it. And fast forward to March of 2022, and I was on retreat in Florida leading my Elevate Mastermind. And I had just made this decision. We did this exercise where I asked the group to go back to the moment before a story that was like a limiting story, a a label and identity became part of how they knew themselves, like before that existed. And so I went back to this moment of the version of me before the story of infertility was my story. Mm -hmm. And it was such a powerful exercise because I had never thought about that before. And I brought us to this, we had this bonfire, this beautiful kind of ceremony thing. And I just said, let's write that down and let's burn it. And so I burned the story of infertility and I just refused to keep that as my identity because it wasn't who I was. And ultimately I did, I have a biological daughter. We did have fertility treatments. I was 31 when we conceived Donnie, but I was like living in this saying I was infernal. I was like, well, of course, if you just, this is what you're, this is what you've chosen. This is your identity. And who knows if I'd ever be able to have a baby, but it wasn't supposed to go that way. So I burned the story and I asked for signs and I just lived in the present. And I made the decision to cross over this threshold and just believe in our baby without conditions, without attachment, without knowing what was going to happen. But I just said to Ben, we just have to believe in our baby. And of course we had opened the portal deciding to go forth with adoption, but we weren't trying to control how that was going to happen. And we just started saying yes to every case that would come through. And on the day we got back in Another lifetime we couldn't have known our son was born in Florida and we got a a little case that afternoon that he was here and we got a phone call within 24 hours of that. And the birth parents had chosen us and we were on a plane the next morning, like before the Mm -hmm. way before the sun and we were there and we got to adopt our son, Alex, on the 15th of March, 2022. Mm -hmm. And it was just like so many things just clicked into place, Suzanne, where it was like, oh, Like it was always happening like this. It was always unfolding. I just couldn't see it. We couldn't see it. And so it's that the Steve Jobs quote of, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it looking back and everything made sense. And I really believe it to your point with looking at the clients that I serve and what the process of living into their dreams does for them, like how it creates who they become and how it teaches them. It's just I have not seen a time where a dream wasn't of service even if it didn't come to full fruition the way they thought it would, that it didn't serve some really important purpose on the path to help them evolve into who they were meant to be.
0: What's shown you that life first is such an important thing, and how do you practice that?
2: Yeah, I had a near death experience when my daughter was born. And so everything became pretty clear that we've got it mostly wrong in terms of how we've set up our jobs, our careers, our focal points. I was doing a series of stories this morning on my Instagram. And one of the things that I was thinking about was like being someone who was born in the eighties. I really feel like there was always this idea that we needed to like deprivation was something that was valiant So I remember my mom and her Jane Fonda workouts. And I remember like all the things that they had, like for bodies in the eighties, like you'd be smaller and skinnier and wear these like weird suits that you can sweat in and all this stuff. So it was like such a focus on make yourself like smaller and Mm -hmm. deprive yourself and don't enjoy anything. Like real, like true pleasure was a shameful thing. And this morning I was eating a strawberry with whipped cream on it. And I just had this thought of, oh my gosh, like years ago, I would have been like, you can't eat whipped cream. Mm. What? I'm like, this is so good. It's like fresh whipped cream on a strawberry. I'm like, you better believe I'm going to freaking eat this thing. And how I just don't even think of those things anymore. But I really lived like that. And I think about like my place of work, it was like pay your dues and like basically just suffer. Mm. Just be in pain all the time, work yourself to exhaustion point. And then you win because you're like so tough. And I would say, Suzanne, that you and I and everybody listening to this, like, we've already got the tough trophies. Mm. Yep. We're pretty darn tough. I don't need to prove that anymore. I am complete in proving that, but it doesn't mean that it's not still wired in you to think that you still have to operate like that. Mm. And so that's this very weird sort of meta flip kind of thing where you just have to look at, oh yeah, that's what gets rewarded and that's what gets celebrated. And I just call BS on it. We can redefine how we do business. It's up to you how you do your business. It's up
0: to you how yeah. you schedule your days, create your business model, all that stuff. I feel very in tune with everything you talk about and always have, but we can have very different you know, dreams. I,
2: I think we should. I think Ooh. it's like, that's what makes the world really cool is that we don't all have the same favorite singer or the same favorite play or color. It's just, that stuff just makes me so excited. People think, oh, they're doing all this comparison stuff. And I'm like, you can't, (laughs) like, we're just, we're all so unique. And that's actually the magical part of being you in the world and in this lifetime.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I think that's just a perfect note to finish on, but I so appreciate you being here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Zero Wasted Days podcast. I truly hope you found it to be valuable and inspirational as you work to create a life by your own design. I would love you to rate and review this episode to let everyone else know about it and help me share this important message with the world. All you need to do is screen grab your review, share it on socials, and tag me in to win a $100 Airbnb voucher that I'll be giving away every single month.